0: Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Good morning, church. So good to be with you here this morning. Really thankful for the stories that are in our community, I just had a conversation with someone in the back row this morning, and man, it just blew my mind what God is doing here at Beacon, so super glad to be here. We're in a summer series called High Fidelity for a few weeks now, and uh, we're talking about how to become more like Jesus in the everyday through disciplines and practices, and the title for today's message is Treasuring Jesus, Treasuring Jesus. What I want to talk about today is how we, as followers of Jesus, are not just called to follow Him, but to treasure Him. To treasure Him. Because if we treasure Him, the following will happen. The becoming more like Jesus will happen if we treasure Him. It's like a train, if you can imagine a train in your mind, treasuring is the, is the engine car, it's the first car. And you know that as a train moves, being led by this treasuring of Jesus, the other trains will just go by. And these other train, car, these train cars, they're called obedience, following him, loving the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, loving others. Just comes right after the treasuring. And so what I want to do today is to leave you with a vision for your heart, specifically a vision to treasure Jesus In the hidden person of the heart. That's a phrase that the Apostle Peter uses. The hidden person of the heart. I love that. A vision to treasure Jesus in the the hidden person of your heart. Because if you treasure him, if you treasure him, you will follow him. There's this principle that we see throughout scripture and it goes like this. Whatever has your attention in time has your affection. Whatever has your attention in time has your affection. And Jesus talks about this, this principle in a particular way in Matthew 6.21. We Trevor preached an amazing sermon on this passage a few months ago. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And we know Jesus is talking about money here, but I believe the principle is, is much broader. It's actually a heart principle that Jesus is talking about. Whatever we treasure... Our hearts are found there. Whatever has our attention will eventually have our affection. Another way to say this is: you become, you become what you behold. You become what you behold. You know, I'm, I'm on Instagram a lot these days, more than I should share with you guys, because I want you to continue to think of me as someone who has some sense of self-control. But it's 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 a lot. I just discovered that on, you can, you know, I'm a Luddite. So on the phone, you can see how much time you spend on each app. Do you guys know you can do this? I just found out. So I found out how much time I'm on Instagram. It's a lot. So what am I doing on Instagram? I'm beholding things. You know, 10, 20, 30, I'll stop there. Minutes at a time. And now I'm wanting to buy flour from Italy and tomatoes from the soil of Vesuvius so I can make this amazing pizza that this guy... We become what we behold. It's just who we are. We're meant to behold. In Philippians 3, Paul says this. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. Another word we could use there: is Treasure surpassing worth or treasure of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's clear to us here that Paul, he treasures Jesus. His greatest gain, and he had a lot of gain as a young rabbinical student. A lot of things he could boast about. He's saying all of that now you could put in the lost column. compared to knowing Jesus. Just move it over. So I think it's safe to say that Paul's heart is consumed with knowing Jesus because he treasures him. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 2 6, he's quoting Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, speaking of Jesus. He says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. That stone is Jesus, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. In other words, to the redeemed, to you and I, to us, Jesus is very precious. He's very precious. Beloved, We can't skip the step of having Jesus be precious to us. We will never outgrow that as his followers. To have him be our greatest treasure. And I believe this is something that sometimes we lose sight of when pursuing a life in him. You know, many in the church today, we find ourselves serving and busy and doing the weekend church thing. And that's good. Most of that's good. But there can be seasons where we forget that in the busyness that Jesus was at one point precious to us. That that was the point of it all. That that's why we got into this in the first place. Because there was something about him that we found so precious. And so the question I want to ask today is: how can you and I, how can we get back to treasuring him? Now, this is not for everyone this morning, because maybe you were there, maybe. This is, this is all you do all day long. But for, for some of us here today, we're asking the question, God, how did I get here and how do I get back to you where I'm treasuring you, where you're precious to me again? Because our hearts are set on whatever we treasure. Remember, that's what Jesus is saying. Your hearts are going to be found in whatever you treasure. Now, what I'm about to say is going to be super obvious, but sometimes it's worth saying obvious things. And, and I think this is worth saying. Knowledge leads to treasuring. Knowledge leads to treasuring, and let me explain what I'm trying to say here. The prayer I pray more than any other prayer for others, and, and I pray this for myself as well, probably by a factor of about 20x. That's actually probably on the on, on, on the on the shorter or the smaller side. I probably pray 50 or 100x times more than any other prayer. Is Ephesians one seven to 19. Not the whole thing. I don't pray this entire thing. I pray my version of it, which is about half this, but let's read it together. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians, writing to the Ephesians. That the Father of glory, he's praying for them, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Okay, now so He wants us to know through knowledge of him that we have hope to which he's called us to. That's one. Two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, meaning we are his inheritance. We're not just an inheritance. We're a glorious inheritance for Jesus. Did you guys know that? We're his inheritance. That's the second part. And what are the, uh, excuse me, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? It's a wonderful prayer. If you're looking for a prayer to pray for your family, this is, it. This is how I pray it. Father, that you may give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Jesus, that the eyes of their hearts would be opened so that they would know the hope to which you've called them, the glorious inheritance you have in them and the power you have working towards them. It's a very short version. You could say it in 10 seconds. But when I pray that, I know, God, I'm praying that, God, Luca, Ilan, Johan, that they would know you, Jesus. They may not know you, know you, but I want them to know you. Open their eyes so that they would know Jesus. And in and, and Philippians 1.9, Paul again, same theme. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. In both passages, Ephesians and this Philippians, in both passages, Paul is connecting loving Jesus or treasuring Jesus with knowledge of him. With the knowledge of him. And sometimes, and this is true of me, we think we can treasure Jesus when we barely know him. But that's not how treasuring works. That's not how love works. Relational knowing is at the center of loving anyone. Relational knowing when my wife and I, we tell the story of how we first met, there's this bit that we really enjoy telling. I first, I first noticed Carol at a church in Boston. I've shared this part before. I was working there as a college pastor while attending seminary, and, and Carol had just moved to Boston from Rhode Island, where she was a student, and now she's working and she's applying to design programs. And we're both in our early 20s, And so I see her, and I say, who's that? And no one really knew her at that point. She was only there a few months, so she's fairly new to the community. So one night, I'm back in my dorm room in seminary, and I'm talking with my roommate, Mike. And I share with him my newfound infatuation with this girl that I met at church. And he says, wait, you mean Carol Chang? And and I said, yeah. And he asks me, did she go to RISD? I said, yeah, I think so. He said, no way, I know her. And I said, no way, you know. Her. <laughs> Turns out, Mike, my roommate, was her former college pastor. When she was at school in Rhode Island, I love the way God plays 4D chess with us sometimes. You can imagine my excitement in the moment. So I asked him, you know, I asked him, so what's she like? And these are his exact words. Oh, she's a really good one. And I'm like, Mike, you're killing me, man. What are we going to do here? What is the plan? What is the plan exactly? And so Mike and I come up with a plan. And here's the plan. He would, quote, unquote, visit our church on a Sunday and then use the opportunity to go out to dinner with a few of his former congregants. There were four at, at the church in Boston who had moved from Rhode Island all young adults, Carol being one of them, and they would all catch up over dinner. And, and the plan was that at the very last minute, he would ask if it was all right, if his roommate could tag along, because he would need a ride back to school, which made no sense whatsoever, because Mike always had his car, but for some reason that night, he wouldn't have his car. And I don't know the excuse he gave, but they said, sure, of course, he can come. And so that was the plan, and all of a sudden, I was going to be spending an evening With Carol, but she has no idea the amount of scheming and subterfuge that has gone to making all this happen in my mind. I'm thinking one day you're gonna thank me for this, all this work. And I gotta be honest, this is getting really exciting, you know? I'm getting really excited. And so Sunday comes, and Mike shows up, and after church, we all go to dinner, and I purposely sit across from her, but not directly across from her. Young people take notes here. I sit diagonally from her. And Mike is in on this. So he's, he's, he's got the seating chart. He's seating everyone. And I do this so that I wouldn't have to be in conversation with her all night. Basically, I want to eavesdrop on her. And the reason is that I didn't want to have to come up with, like, witty, insightful things to say all night to her. And so, so I, but I wanted to hear what was on her heart. I wanted to hear what she would say in conversation with others. I wanted to know what was in her heart. So all night... I'm barely able to hold a conversation with the poor person in front of me because I'm listening. I'm busy listening to Carol. And I lean in and I'm, I'm listening and I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible student, guys. But that night I was a very good student. I, I begin to collect relational knowledge of Carol. I'm taking notes. And of course, she's just pure gold. And she's refreshingly direct, I find out. And I notice she's genuinely curious. She's asked a to tons of questions. Tons of questions. I love that about her. I note that. We ordered the same thing. That's interesting to me. (laughs) I notice she laughs with her whole body. I notice she's deep waters, deep thinker, deep feeler, very deep feeler. And she has me. And as the night goes on, Carol comes into fuller view. Picture gets filled out. My attention is drawn and my heart slowly starts to move towards her, and I find that I really can't help it. Knowledge leads to treasuring. That's how it works. And there our hearts will be found, Jesus says. There our hearts will be found. And when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, just like with any other relationship, I believe there is a process to finding our hearts in him, to treasuring him. This process, I believe, can be broken down in a thousand different ways, uh, but, but I want to share at least three parts. This is just one way to do it. These are the three parts that, that I think about when I think about the process of treasuring Jesus. The very first part of the process of treasuring Jesus is what I'd like to call the invitation. It's not just any invitation. It's an invitation to a wedding. He's the bridegroom. Guess what? We're the bride. We're not the guests. We're the bride. And you know, it's funny in the the Gospels, as you move through them, as closer you get to Jesus' crucifixion, the more he starts talking about himself as if this was something about a wedding. And then you go into the epistles, into the letters of Paul, and this theme of a wedding keeps popping up again and again more frequently. And then when you get to the very last chapter of the entire Bible, Revelation Revelation, uh, is it 21 or 19? I can't remember which chapter it is, but he says, he says the spirit and the bride, John says. The spirit and the bride. Our identity is of the bride. We're, we're friends, yes, we're children, we're servants. But that final identity, we're bride. We're the bride. He delights in us. He desires us. He likes us. He treasures us. And we treasure him because he treasures us. And so no matter how you slice this thing, the gospels, all of it, the storyline, it's not to make us dutiful rule followers, but we're to be passionate lovers wounded by the extravagant love of God most clearly demonstrated to us by the bridegroom willingly giving his life for us, his enemies, while we were still his enemies, deserving of wrath and condemnation, so that he would be condemned and we would be called innocent so that he can give us new hearts to love him with. That is the invitation, to give ourselves to him who gave himself for us wholeheartedly in love. So the invitation to the wedding, the second part of the process, you hear the invitation, the second part of the process is what I would call the inspiration. They all start with I, by the way the inspiration to know Jesus through his word. The beauty of Jesus, the personality of Jesus. We see these things in scripture. The work of Jesus, the passion of Jesus on the cross, even the coming judgment of Jesus who comes to war against sin and everything that hinders love We see that that's part of his heart for us, part of his plan. Every page of scripture is pointing towards Jesus and he has his heart and mind uh, just all over it. And, you know, in Luke 24, shortly after Jesus is resurrected from the dead and and he's on the road to Emmaus, he finds two disciples, He, he comes alongside them, they're walking and he's listening, he's like, what are you guys talking about? He's like, are you the only guy who doesn't know what happened? our rabbi, our master, he was, he, was, he was executed. And it says this in, 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 in verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, he's talking to them now, interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the key word there is all, in all the scriptures, the things, by the way, obviously at that point they only had the Old Testament, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, they said to each other, when they realized who he was, this is later, first, uh, actually, I don't know what verse it is. They say to themselves, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us? While he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? That burning, I believe, that was hearts beginning to treasure even more deeply Jesus as their eyes were open to the hidden knowledge of who Jesus is in the scriptures. They're like, it was there all along. It was there all along. This is the dinner sitting diagonally from your beloved. That's what this is. Scripture is the starting place and the place we come to again and again to learn to love him and treasure him to know the knowledge and wisdom of who he is with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to see the quality and the depth of Jesus' heart, his compassion, his his righteousness, his justice, his tenderness towards the wounded, the oppressed, the broken, the rejected. We eavesdrop on him as he encourages and reactivates Peter after he's betrayed him. He says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. We see him as he's talking with the father right before he's crucified. He says, I just want them to be with me where I am, father. And we see that his heart is for us. The way he tenderly restores the heart of the Samaritan woman who's living in shame. She comes to the well in the heat of the day because she she doesn't want to meet anyone. And in one conversation, Jesus transforms her from a shame-filled woman into the first evangelist to the Gentiles. We see the way that he heals and blesses a woman with an issue of blood. 12 years she was suffering. And in the moment he heals her and blesses her. We see the plans, the prophecies, even the warnings and the signs. We see all of them. We begin to understand them, that this is part of a God who loves us. He's removing everything that hinders love. He wants us. And we lean in and we eavesdrop and love is stirred in us through the Holy Spirit. So that's the inspiration, the inspiration of the word. And finally, the final process is intimacy. And this is just everything we've been talking about up to this point. As the portrait of Jesus becomes clearer to us, when we go on the journey of mining The treasures of wisdom and knowledge of the person of Jesus. Paul calls it the unsearchable riches of Jesus. He says in Ephesians 3. We begin to feel our hearts and love and affection towards him as we see him for who he is. We we see what he sees. We feel what he feels. We value what he values. We begin to treasure him. Beloved, it's not a mysterious process. In order to treasure Jesus, we must know him. We must know him who he is, what he did for us, what he's inviting us into, how he feels about us, what the plan is. This is all part of knowing him. And so so the question today becomes how then do we gain relational knowledge of Jesus? How do we do this? Giving our attention to his word is how relational knowledge grows in our hearts. This is what actually causes our hearts to treasure him and our affections to be set on him. Psalm 119, this is the premier scripture on scripture. It's the premier scripture on scripture. And in this Psalm, the psalmist uses the word meditate eight times to describe his approach to the scripture. He says, Meditate on your precepts, meditate on your laws, meditate on your works, meditate on your promise, meditate, 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 meditate. King David, in the season of grave trouble, he's running from his own son who's out to get him in a, in a, in a, a coup attempt. So he's on the run and he pens this psalm, Psalm 27. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to to seek him in his temple. So you have meditate, gaze. And then finally, Luke 10:41. We many of us know this passage. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. What won't be taken from her? Knowledge of him and a heart that treasures him, even in the age to come. And so the question is, how do we gain relational knowledge of Jesus? How do we eavesdrop on him? The answer is by meditating On his word, by gazing at Jesus through his word, by sitting at the feet of Jesus with his word. And of course, there's no one way to do this, but the one thing that has helped me in meditating my on scripture is something I was taught by my mentor, and that is to turn scripture into conversation with God. You know, I don't you don't just read it, close it, and walk away, which I used to do a lot, even as a pastor. I could not, I really didn't like reading the Bible. That's true confession. I I didn't like praying. I didn't like reading the Bible. It's tough to be a pastor when you don't do those two things, by the way. I like meetings. I like people. Because there was food and people. Um, But I didn't like reading the Bible. But as I learned to meditate on it, it changed for me. I, I read the words of Scripture and then speak it back to him in prayer, even in song, In Deuteronomy 30, 14, Moses preaches to the Israelites. He says this, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. He's connecting, speaking, believing, and doing, acting on God's word. And the speaking part is vital. Notice it's the first one actually. So, I want to take, if we can leave this up here for a second, I want to I want to use Deuteronomy 30 as an example of what I do. And again, this is what I do. I learned this from my mentor. This, you, I'm sure many of you have your way of, of, of meditating on the Word and reading the Scriptures, and that's great. But if you're looking for a simple way to do this, you know, you're in the 10, 20, 30, 60 minutes you might have every day, this could be an amazing place to start. And this changed the way I read the Bible. And so, and by the way, anyone can do this. This is, this is, this is a wonderful thing. You don't need a degree. You can be seven years old. You can be seven years old. Everyone in between. We all get to play, right? This is, and this is what I do. I get up in the morning. Um, I open my Bible. I rarely read less than 10 verses. I rarely read more than three chapters. It's somewhere in the middle there. And I'm reading till something pops. It catches my attention. It leaps off the page. And so if I were reading Deuteronomy 30, this would definitely pop. So I'd read it, but the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you can do it. So the first thing I do is popping off the page, I say, thank you, Father. I thank him. And the second thing I say is, Father, show me more. Nine out of 10 times, that's it, that's all I do. I haven't even spoken the word yet, but, but, but if something's popping, I'll say, thank you, Father, for this truth. Or I might say, thank you that your word is near me, that you haven't put it far from me. And then I'll say, Father, show me more. That's inviting the Holy Spirit into it, right? So nine out of 10 times, that's all I'll do, but once in a while, I will put it into even more conversation with him. Not all the time, but sometimes. Here's what I would sound like. I would say, Father, thank you that you give me access to your Holy Word, that I can hold it in my hand. Right? Help me now to place it in my heart. And, and I'll wait sometimes, I'll wait, and sometimes I'll get something back from the Holy Spirit. It'll be an image or a phrase or more prayer or even a feeling and, and take it to the next level, and, and, and sometimes I'll even write that down, that feeling or that, or that word I get, and that turns into a teaching, you young people, as you do this. That could be a teaching for your student fellowship in a month or next week, and that's how a message or a teaching starts, and all of a sudden, it's encounter. It's not just reading anymore. It's encounter. And sometimes there's tears, which is always, I understand it as evidence of his presence. Not every time, but every so often, I'll feel the manifest presence of God as I meditate on his word. Not every time, not even close, but once in a while. But I'm looking for that. I'm not just checking it off the list. I'm there to meet God. And so I want to give you two encouragements as we close our time together. The first is this. It's two steps forward, it's one step back. At least that's been my experience. Like I said, I really did not like reading the Bible. When I left the, when I left the ministry in 2012, I, I did not read the Bible for almost four years. Four years. That's how burnt I was. And in the, in the years since, the Lord has really brought me back in a way that I'm so grateful. But that's to say, two steps forward, one step back. Don't give up. If you stop, just sign right back. God does not mind us signing back up. He loves it, in fact. Just keep signing back up. And if you can't, schedule it. Because if you do, in my experience, it'll happen 10 times more often. Versus just, it'll happen. I'll get to it at some point. You never get to it. So schedule it. If you you haven't failed, and this is what my mentor used to tell me all the time. You haven't failed if you haven't given up. I love that. Because I feel like I fail every week. But if you haven't given up, if your desires and you keep going after it, then you haven't failed. And what you are doing if you don't give up is you're building a history with the Lord. Not just over a week or a month or a year, but years, decades, you're building a history with the Lord in the secret place of your heart. And beloved, you're gonna come back to that. Sometimes you're gonna need to lean on that history when you're in a season where it's hard you look back and you realize, God, you've been speaking to me for decades. Scripture can be confusing and sometimes it's, it's, it's good to have tools like a commentary. I know there are resources out in the lobby. There's a library out there. Talk to the pastors here. Ask them, you know, I need a little bit of help with understanding Scripture. Uh, a commentary can be helpful, but it's not necessary. What is necessary, though, is to read Scripture in community. In small groups in corporate worship, like this. Don't stop doing this. Don't stop going to small group. Read with people the scriptures, and and you'll be able to teach each other. So that's the first encouragement. Two steps forward, one step back, don't give up. Second encouragement is this: we are not alone in this journey. We have each other, but more importantly, we have the Spirit of God. He's the great counselor, he's the great teacher. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God. He's doing it. Again, we become what we behold and this is the work of the Spirit. Even the desired To be in the word is a gift from the spirit. So invite the Holy Spirit as you open the scriptures every morning to be present with you as you read the word. He will be your guide. And that's what you're doing when you say, show me more, Father. Thank you. Show me more. Invite the Holy Spirit into the process with you. We need to know him to love him. We need to know him to treasure him. Beloved, this generation doesn't need more people who just know the Bible. That's good. I had professors who knew the Bible inside and and They didn't love Jesus. It's not enough. What this generation needs are people who have been set aflame by having spent time in his word in the presence of Jesus, in the secret place, who are then able to reflect that presence The beauty and glory of His presence through patience, through compassion, through forgiveness, and even, yes, righteous anger, because we're becoming more like Him. You know, and I believe that we're not far from a season where the pressure is going to get turned up. And when that happens, fear will grip the nations. It's actually already happening. But you and I, because we've spent time in His Word and His presence, we know His plan. We know His plan. We know His heart. We know where the story goes. We will not be afraid in that place because we'll be able to stand firm knowing who Jesus is to us and to the world, to be able to provide comfort and wisdom, knowledge, prayers touched by power, to bring healing and hope to a generation that so desperately needs God. And all this, not because it's what we have to do, but because we treasure him, because we love him, because we get to do it. That's what this generation needs. And so my prayer is that we, beloved Beacon Church, would become the fellowship of the burning hearts, hearts on fire as we learn to encounter Jesus in his word. Amen and amen. Let's pray. As you're hearing this message, maybe there's some of you today who are like, you know, that's great, that sounds great. I want to know Jesus too, but, but how come I can't get myself to that place? I try, I fail, I fall back, I forget. But there's actually a desire there and I want to pray for you. And then there are some of us like, I don't, I don't even have that desire, but I want to have the desire to encounter Jesus in his word. I want us to pray for for those of you who might find yourself in that category. And so, Father, here we are. We pray that you would give us a supernatural desire to encounter Jesus through his word. That you would give us a vision to treasure him in the hidden places of our heart. God, we don't want to just be dutiful followers. We want to be those who are deeply, deeply in love with you because of who you are. The beauty of your personality, the beauty of your plans, the beauty of your wisdom. The beauty of your invitation. So God, open our eyes, open our hearts. Give us a hunger, supernatural hunger for your word so that we can meet you there and build a history with you. God, you're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our hearts. Teach us how to eat at your table. In Jesus' name we pray. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.